And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling Mean and angry Hear those co-hosts shouting It's Dana and Jay Alright, welcome into the Growler edition The final Growler of the 2020 season. Happy New Year to everybody. And Happy New Year to us, Jay. Happy New Year to us. Happy New Year indeed. Yeah, because the, the season shall end mercifully. And we can start doing, as we said before, what we've been doing for kind of for a month. But we don't have to talk about the games after this anymore. But one last time, talking about Bengals games in this 2020 season before we move into off-season uh speculation projection roster churn mode it's gonna be really weird it's gonna be the weirdest locker clean out day because normally on those days we go down and you kind of camp out outside of the locker room in the in the loading dock and catch guys leaving a lot of times with garbage bags full of their belongings can't do that this year we're, we're going to be bound to whoever they put on the zoom with us um hopefully it will be be guys that you all want to hear from, uh, guys that with with expiring contracts and, and other issues like that. But it is it's it's going to be a really strange Monday for sure. Yeah, it's this is one of those unfortunate elements of this season. Locker cleanout day. A lot of good information is gathered, um, whether on off the record stuff or guys just willing to talk that have kind of held it in all year. Happens every year. Um, and it's it, you know it's great information. We learn a lot from it, um, but we won't be learning a lot from it this year. <laughs> so, but that's just part of the deal of this odd season of covering things. But we'll do our best, of course, to bring you as much as we can in different ways. Uh, so keep an eye out for all that information. Of course, we'll we'll have all of that covered for you both in the walkout on Sunday post game, and then in Tuesday's season wrap, which I'm sure we will have. Um, we'll probably have a lot of news to run through as far as information on coaching staff changes. Um, you know, maybe whatever we do get pull out of the final zooms of the season. So you're going to want to check in Tuesday. It's usually a pretty jam packed one with a lot of information and reaction and things like that. So hope you will come back for that. But we have one more game to talk about, Jay. And we'll talk about uh, everyone's favorite topic of what they should be rooting for on Sunday, but really some of the, the meaning behind both potential outcomes. And there's quite a lot on the line, I would say, actually, when you when you really look at it. Um, even though it may not seem so. Uh, so we dive into that. We'll get into some news uh, that we've heard this week from Zach Taylor and players uh, as they look forward into or not into the offseason. Jay will, of course, have some sad stats for you. We're going to bring in uh, Jeff Zriebeck, our partner in Baltimore, who has a great story up right now uh, looking back on the ramifications and fallout of Dalton to Boyd uh, back in 2017, which Bengals fans know the fallout from that. Um, but there was actually quite a bit of fallout 
um, on the Baltimore side, and as they kind of enter a insanely similar scenario, it's in a different building. Um, it's it's a really great story looking back on that and what it, you know you can really think about what it's meant for both franchises, and we'll talk a little bit about that. We of course have some run passer boots for you uh, that we'll dive into, and then final Bengals growler bet of the season and a big one. The tension is high, breaking the tie between me and Jay on the season here. Um, the season growler on the line. Big, big. Uh, but also, we will uh, have a chance to give out. Uh, uh, attainable. We, 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 I think we've accomplished our goal to find an attainable number to potentially give out some more delicious 50 West beer to you. So I uh, hope everybody uh, is ready to. Don't scroll to the end just yet. We got good stuff before that. Hold on. Don't go yet. Wait. <laughs> Stay. We'll get there. I promise. And then we'll have our predictions for Sunday. Um, As far as news going on right now, um, what you're probably interested in news-wise would be, you know, questions that were given to Zach Taylor about himself, his staff, players, and what they can do for next year if they earn. He'll be back. And the answer to that is not budging. You can ask. Keep asking, but not going there. Uh, Zach with the the deflection. It was like a was like a hockey goaltender in a big playoff game. Just doosh, kick save, kick save. Not having it. Not going to talk about next year. Um, all about Baltimore. Not about him. Not about his staff. Not about potential free agents. Not about Brandon Allen's maybe being number two. All of that was sort of kicked aside. And it should be. I mean, there's there's. It does no good to talk about that right now. I know that's what what fans want to know, but that's it. I don't think it's just coach speak. I mean that everything for them right now has to be focused on on this game against the Ravens. I'm sure in in Zach's mind, he's already kind of made up his mind what he wants to do. But like I said, it does no good. No, does nobody any good to talk about that right now and, until the season is over. Yeah. And I think as soon as the season ends, we'll, we probably will see swift movement on that. I don't see it being a process that drags on. I think Wes, by, by the time we do the podcast on Tuesday, we'll probably we will know um, the the what it, what kind of the changes are going to be on the staff, and you know we'll have gotten more information certainly on players, but that's a lot to be determined there. We talked a little bit about who we thought was in their last game on the Tuesday podcast in case you missed that. So go back and listen to that. But, um, you know, AJ green, Bobby Hart, Sean Williams, um, Randy Bullock, who won't be playing, but, um, all these guys, um, in their last game. And then some other for your big free agent names, Carl Lawson, William Jackson, the third really are the two big ones that you look at how, They'll come back, and we'll spend a lot of January and February and March, actually, taking a really deeper look at the Bengals' balance sheet, at their salary cap situation, which everyone's kind of still twisting in the wind to what that number will be. Um, it, we've got a lot to get into with that. How, who can they fit? Can they fit both? Can they fit one? How many free real free agents can they afford to sign? You know, all there's a lot of questions because they have a lot of guys up. And um, so we'll have a lot of time to dive into that in specifics. Um, let's talk about the difference on any number of levels between a loss on Sunday against the Ravens, who have everything to play for. It's all on the line for them. They've got to win to get in 
Pretty much. I mean, they can still get in with a with a loss, but I mean, for their sake, the way they're going to view it on Sunday, they need this, and they put themselves in serious jeopardy if they lose. The difference, so you know what you're getting from them, and they're hot right now. If the Bengals could win, they would have won the last three of the season. They would have beaten the Steelers and the Ravens, who both teams are in the middle of the thick of it. On their home turf, you know, in Cincinnati, and then you get into a wave of maybe little more real momentum. I think you can even kind of toss away the two. You know, I think you get to feel a little bit more real if you 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 win these three, and it is the Ravens and Steelers are so much on the line. And then the other side of it is, well, if you win, now you're now you're dropping back in the draft into the late. You know, you're back end of the top 10. You take a number of names off the board. You're probably taking Chase off the board. You're definitely taking Sewell off the board. You're taking, you know, some of these guys um, that you love as Bengals fits specifically off the board, which, you know, what there's, there's meaning in both though, right, Jay? There is. And, and it's, it's not an absolute. It's, if if they win, we see these kind of weird, crazy upsets in Week 17. Now, I, I don't think every team that's right behind the Bengals is going to pull an upset, but it wouldn't be out of the question for a couple of them, or maybe even three, to win also. And then you're not you're not dropping as far as as you think you might be. Um, you've talked about it before. It it, it it's not it's not as great as everybody thinks. Panay Sewell is. It's not worth the tank or losing to, to get that guy you're still going to get a really good player. And, and I think, I think a win would, would means a lot more at this point than, than the, the, the draft position. And, and think about this too, like, you know, people hammered on Marvin all the time about the lack of adjustments, um, whether it be halftime or in season. And if, if the Bengals can beat the Ravens, that means three of the last four times, that Zach Taylor has faced a team for the second time in the season, he's beaten them and it would be four out of four if they could have defended the final 66 seconds against the Browns in week seven. Um, so I, I think there's, there's some value in that to, to, to lose a game to a team the first time around and, and come back and make the adjustments and, and kind of, you know, make the changes try to do things differently against them and adjust to what they're doing to you. And um, I, I do think that would be significant, not just because Baltimore is a playoff team, but because they're a division team that you're seeing for the second time. And they, they did it to Pittsburgh, obviously with the Monday night game, they did it to Cleveland last year when they beat them in the finale. And then they, they had that loss in week two and played so much better in week seven. Um, Burrow leads them down the field with that great drive. They, they take the lead with one Oh six to go. And then, give it up on a, on a touchdown pass with 11 seconds remaining. So I do, I think there's some, some real value in, in not necessarily building the momentum um, to carry from, from this year to next with a th- what would be a three game winning streak, but to, to do it against a division opponent and, and to rebound from a, what was really a pretty bad loss earlier in the year. And, and do it with physicality and, yes. and do it with intimidation, whereas they were beat up and intimidated the first time. And then, you know the Von the Von Bell hit in against Pittsburgh will be maybe the outside of the misery of the hit in Washington against Burrow will be 
And on the good side, the most memorable aspect of this season, it was the moment where the Bengals constantly beat up and little brothered by the Steelers said, we will not be intimidated by these assholes anymore. We're going to be the tough guys. We are going to be the one they're going to send a message and take it to you. The same thing happened in the Ravens game the first time. They were beat up and intimidated and out everything by tougher, bigger, stronger, big brother-ish type Ravens. And Wink Martindale scheming them up and hurt, you know, Burrow looking clueless, all that stuff. If you can replicate that and have another, we will not be intimidated in this division moments here against the Ravens, whether it's in meaningless week 17 or not. That is the stuff that carries over because that is a mentality you need to win this division. You need to intimidate. You need to be more physical. You need to show that you can throw the punch and take it to them and go the whole distance against them and not let them think they're going to come in and beat you up, which happens so has happened so often uh, in this division, particularly lately. And that is important. That is has real value, and that is the stuff that really does carry over year to year when you talk about the core of your team returning. These these guys that set that mentality, that show that they know how to, you know the physicality, and you're able to show that you can overcome that physicality and take it to them to win in this division. It is different. Um, it, it, I I always kind of laugh at the you know at the, at the idea of. Well, you know, it's going to be cold and you got to run the ball and you got to be in the AFC North. These are rough and tumble. You got to you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. That's It's different football now, like in a lot of ways. I mean, you're still, it is still a new game, but there is an intensity and physicality you have to play with in this division. And I don't know that this team was built or the coaching staff quite knew that because they didn't, they weren't part of it. And you don't understand the, the the way it's played over the course of the season. And I think maybe they're learning that. And I think showing that they've learned it and, and, and executing it in here and making that two of three against the Ravens and the Steelers, everything to play for, would mean a lot as far as proving that your team knows how to win this division and knows how to take the fight to the, the bullies, so to speak. Yeah, it's not just the coaching staff that's kind of learning this. I mean, you look at – how young this this roster is so many so many guys that are just getting their feet wet in this division they went out and made all the and I know a lot of them are hurt and not playing but they went out and made all these free agent signings those guys are to some degree new to the division Josh Bynes is not new to the division but but yeah there's there's a learning curve I know every division the the rivalries are fierce and the games are harder hitting but it, it does it, it it does seem like there's just more. I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's you know bias because we cover this division, but it, it does it does feel like there's there's more of that in the AFC North, and it's it's like anything else. It, you, it's something you need to learn and adjust to, and maybe we're starting to see that. Uh, if if they win Sunday, you can you can certainly say that that they are starting to. It's funny when I when you watch like you know we see NFL beat writers and people that cover the sport uh, on you know on Twitter all the time talking about whatever and especially during primetime games they're all talking about whatever game they're watching and when the, when the North game is going on now whether it was you know, Ravens and uh, 
Browns was kind of its own animal the other day, but whether it's Bengals Steelers or whether it has been Ravens Steelers, I mean, these games, you always see a constant theme of like, geez, these games are bloodbaths, <laughs> you know, and that is always you see from people that don't want necessarily cover the North on a regular basis. And like, that's just kind of what this division ends up being in a lot of ways. I mean, Ravens Steelers is the perfect example of it over the years. They're always like that. The top when Bengals and Steelers were going at it for that run. I mean, it the games were always like that. And that's because the winning at the top of this division, that's what it looks like. They're bloodbath games that you have to find a way to survive and, and you need physical play and you need to take the fight to the other team. And I think there is a learning mentality to that. And do, taking it to the Ravens in a year where they are as hot as anybody in the way that they play and everything else, I do think has a lot. Now, if they lose, uh, if they win, were to win, if they were to pull that off, I mean, you're looking at them. I mean, I have the the draft slot projections. If you look at FPI and all the possible simulations, um, you know, most likely the Bengals are going to, if they if they lose, you're, you're going to end up in that five spot. I mean, look, the, the first couple of games, when you talk about uh, – what else is happening across the league? So you're if you're looking to move up, Bengals lose. You're looking to move up. You're looking at Houston, who is Miami has their pick, but Houston versus Tennessee. Tennessee playing for their playoff life, um, and they'll be at home. We, we saw Houston last week. Deshaun Watson can do just about anything, uh, but you know, obviously, it seems like Tampa Bay is already out playing against Atlanta, saying we. Bruce Arians says, we're going for it. They, they may be talking about seeding or whatever, and they're playing everybody. They're not resting starters. An Atlanta team that's been pretty plucky lately. I mean, they had Kansas City on the ropes, um, and they've really played better under Raheem Morris, but they have a tendency to Falcon. Uh, <laughs> you know, Falcons, Chargers, Bengals all play the same type of games, right? Uh, at meltdowns at the end. But still, you, so you're going to want to watch those games if the Bengals lose, a chance to move up into the three or four hole. And then you bring Sewell definitely into play. You definitely you can mark down Chase as being an option because you're going to see a couple of quarterbacks go early. You know, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, who's great at this stuff, has said you know he thinks there's going to be four in the top ten. Um, that's good news for the Bengals, who won't be quarterback hunting and teams that will want to move up and all that stuff. We'll get into that later. But if you're talking about where your slot can end up, that is the thing. A, a win will probably most likely they project putting them into the eight spot. With you know, sort of chances of going elsewhere because you've got a bunch of teams behind them at five and ten, so you've got obviously Philadelphia has the same record as them at four, ten, and one, uh, and they're both tied. We'll have to see their strength of schedules are almost identical at this point, so we'll have to see where that falls between the Bengals and the Eagles if they both lose. Philly playing Washington, uh, the whole East is still kind of playing. Philly not as much not is not, but Washington, Dallas, and the Giants still have uh, East on the line. So playing Washington there, Detroit, the Giants, Carolina, and Denver all five and ten. So a loss by them, they leapfrog the Bengals. How many of those are going to win or lose? TBD. Um, but the teams they're playing are are all playing for something minus really. And Minnesota isn't. Las Vegas isn't. Uh, Denver playing Vegas. Detroit playing Minnesota. Um, so all those results will matter, and all those results will determine where the Bengals fall in the draft order in the top 10, um, and we'll see how that plays out. But that's sort of both sides of the spectrum there. Um, 
All right, let's take a second here and move into the interview. Um, we're going to bring in Jeff Zriebrek from Baltimore, who is uh, tracking. We mentioned his story on the uh, 2017 Bengals-Ravens game is up now. If you want to take a look at it, uh, it's up on the site. Uh, great stuff. And, and a reminder, um, this is it, folks. The year is ending and the sale is ending. Buy one, gift one. If you, if you were trying to get a deal uh, on an athletic subscription, you can buy one and get one free. Uh, but you have to do it by the end of the year, end of the end of uh, by, by the time you're counting down and drinking your champagne uh, to celebrate the end of 2020. Uh, you need to have gotten this thing done. So just go to theathletic.com and you can subscribe or any of our links and get the buy one gift one. You can also go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast ground and subscribe from there. Um, and you get all of our coverage across the league, across sports, across the pond. Patty Boyland. We'll tell you all about Everton number two at the table at Boxing Day. I have to plug plug Everton's success every single <laughs> week uh, and everything that's going on. So uh, we uh, recommend you, you getting on board with that. But as we say that, uh, let's bring in Jay's uh, interview with our guy in Baltimore, Jeff Zriebeck. When we come back, we'll have the Growler Bats run past her boots, predictions, and much more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we're going to head out to Baltimore and talk to our good friend Jeff Zriebeck again. Um, it's been 11 weeks, no, 12 weeks actually, since we talked to you last. How are you doing, Jeff? Good, Jay. How are you doing? Doing really well. Looking forward to this matchup. I think it's 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 going to be more interesting than maybe the the records would indicate. Um, but before we get to this matchup, I want I wanted to start with just the playoff situation. I, I, the Raven winning in, correct? Yeah. 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 And, and then, and, you know, there's other ways they could get in, but I don't know how realistic they are. I mean, if, if the Colts lose to the Jaguars, which, you know, no one expects that would get them in. And if the Browns lose to the Steelers, and as we know now, the Steelers aren't playing many of their starters that would get them in. So, you know, there's two or three, you know, the, the easiest way for them, to get in is, is to win, to win Sunday. But, uh, you know, there's two other results that could get them in, but I know they're not counting on those other two things happening. I was kind of playing around with the scenarios on the, that ESPN playoff machine. And it, I don't know if you've looked at this at all, but it, I assume if they win, do they lock the number five seed? Well, I, I, no, I don't think it's automatic right now. The dolphins are ahead of them, um, because yeah. of, you know, conference record. So I think Dolphins, if they beat the Bills, would be in that number five seed, and then the Ravens would be in number six. But if the Bills beat the Dolphins and, you know, 
I know McDermott hasn't said who he's playing um, yet, but if the Bills play their starters, I, I, I would think they'd have a good, pretty good shot of beat Miami and Buffalo. But, uh, you know, they could finish as high as five or as low as seven. Um, you know, there's so many interesting matchups. You know, see a rematch against the Titans after kind of the Titans eliminated them last year and then beat them again on their home field. And obviously Steelers-Ravens is always fun. So uh, we'll see, but they have a big game to win first. I, I mean, uh, you know, I don't get the, I don't get the impression they're looking past the Bengals at all. I, I mean, they've been in kind of the Ravens have been in uh, must-win mode now for for about a month, so they're used to this kind of this kind of game. And uh, you know, now they just have to go to Cincinnati and play a good game and and, and you know punch their ticket. Yeah, I don't even know if we can call this deja vu at this point. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's just regular. It, the seventh time in 11 seasons the Bengals and Ravens have played in Week 17. Uh, Bengals have won the last five, including that wild 2017 finish. I know you're working on a story right now about what, the ramifications of that loss and, and what came of it. Obviously, it, it had ramifications in Cincinnati, too, because that, that game really kind of kept Marvin Lewis around one more year and, and who knows who would be the head coach right now if they had if they had let him go after that season um what what are what are some of the the ways that the dominoes fell for the ravens after that one yeah you know i, I think the story's going to be up uh, uh late um or mid mid to late um thursday morning uh but you know it's a different team in a lot of respects um but what happened after you know that game i mean that Ravens team struggled for much of the year offensively. You know, Flacco had the back injury and then they got hot. And I think they won five of six down the stretch to get it to the point where if they beat Cincinnati on their home field, they would have gotten the, the top wild card. Um, and then it just, you know, it just kind of collapsed there in that shocking game. Um, but afterwards, you know, is, is they had this, you know, I think they drafted 12 players. There's 11 or 12 player draft class. And obviously Lamar Jackson was in that class and Mark Andrews, their tight end and Bradley Bozeman, their left guard. They have five or six players out of that 11 or 12 that are going to be starting on Sunday. So that was sort of where they turned the page from the Joe Flacco, Terrell Suggs, Ravens, into and and into rebuilding on the fly uh so many guys veterans from that team were either gone after that game or would be gone within a year um so that that's kind of the big change i think they knew that team was getting old their offense had gone stale a little bit um and i think at one point in that game jay i think the ravens punted like six of the first seven possessions they were awful offensively until late in that game when they needed to score to kind of come from behind um, and, uh, you know, I think that was kind of the impetus to some of the roster changes that would happen over the next year or so. And then the other thing that happened was, you know, Dean Peace retired, albeit temporarily, he wanted up going to Tennessee, but he retired and that kind of changed their whole defensive, uh, outlook really. Um, you know, linebacker coach Don Wink Martindale, um, you know, was promoted and, and, you know, the play the Bengals beat the Ravens on, the Ravens dropped into a zone coverage. Um, you know, they had a young cornerback who did not play the zone coverage well, and 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 Dalton and, and Tyler Boyd obviously exploited it, uh, you know, but 
since then, whenever they get in a big spot, they're bringing guys. You know, you see it. Their mentality has kind of changed defensively. You know, the next year when they had to beat the Browns in Week 17 to win the division, go to the playoffs, they went cover zero on four straight plays to close that game out. So it, it's it's become a it's become a kind of a different defensive mentality after that game. And there's also been a ton of personnel changes since. I mean. Would they have drafted Lamar Jackson um, if the Ravens, you know, beat the Bengals there and maybe won a playoff game and the offense looked good doing it? Who knows? You know, uh, we know that they had to prepare for life after Flacco at some point. Uh, but, you know, how kind of stale that offense looked and how poorly it played, especially in that game, uh, I would think was one of the driving forces for them realizing, look, we need to, you know, sooner rather than later, we need to kind of rebuild this offense. Yeah, obviously uh, all – talk of Ravens starts with Lamar, but I want to start somewhere else. It just, it just really intrigues me. The, the Des Bryant signing, it seemed kind of gimmicky, but I mean, he's, he's scored touchdowns in the last two games and playing less than 30% of the snaps. What, how specifically are they using him? Yeah. You know, and I think when they signed him, their thought was big physical red zone presence, somebody else other than um, you know, Mark Andrews that you can trust in the red zone and the end zone um, to win a contested catch. Um, I don't think they were under any, you know, illusions that he was going to be a, a starter and play, you know, 60, 70 percent of the offensive snaps. I just think in certain roles, they felt like they could get something out of him. I mean, this this is a very small receiving core. Marquise Brown, small. Willie Sneed, small. Um, you know, the, the Duvernay and Prochet, you know, their two rookie receivers are big physical, you know, guys. I mean, Duvernay's physical, but he's still not big in stature. And they just felt like they needed one big-bodied receiver who could make some plays in the red zone um, and who they could trust in certain situations. And, and you know what? You know, Brian hasn't made a, a whole lot of catches uh, but, you know, we've seen now two weeks in a row him make a play in the end zone and, and, and get him a touchdown. I think it's a guy that people are going to, you know, have to at least account for in the red zone. So maybe prevent so much so many defenses from just doubling Mark Andrews. So uh, I think what they what we've seen in recent weeks is pretty much what they expected. Maybe the, a, a guy that can make a few few plays in the red zone um, and, uh, you know, win some contested battles. And and you know what? Um, I think he. You know, he sort of he's a he's a uh, intense uh, you know guy. He he's kind of has a lot of swagger. He just looks different. There's a different des when he walks on the practice field. He looks different than the other guys. And I think they felt like they needed a little more attitude on that offense, for lack of a better word, Jay. A little more swagger and, and, and a guy who's been there to kind of bring some energy and, and some toughness and some leadership. Yeah, and obviously he he wasn't there the first time these two teams played. Um, in that game, we we saw a totally different Lamar. I mean, he wasn't yeah. looking to run the ball. He wasn't healthy, obviously. Um, it, it looks like he is now. Uh, the, the the offense has really picked up. When did it When did it feel like it turned? When did it look like Lamar was back to the the MVP type of Lamar? Yeah, it was. You know, it was right after he returned from the COVID. You know, he tested positive for COVID nineteen, missed that Steelers game along with pretty much their you know, dozen other guys. And when he got back, everything about him was different. I mean, you, you know, you hate to make too much of his demeanor. He's always kind of a happy go lucky, very respectful guy to the media, 
but he just did not look like he was having fun at all at anything he did this year, early in the year. It looked like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders, uh, like he was trying to win the MVP again with every throw, uh, like he was trying to crush the Madden curse with every game. You know, it just looked like he just wasn't having any fun, you, you know, and and he was trying to be something that he was not. And the entire offense was trying to be something what they're not. It was like they started this year. Okay, we're going to prove we could beat you through the air and we're going to get away from what we did best because we're going to need to do that in the playoffs when teams stop the run. You know, that's been the thing on this Ravens team. Can they win when they're behind? Can they win when their run run game is, is sort of limited? And they, it's like they were all dead set and determined at all costs. Uh, Lamar included to prove that they can do these things and they got got away with what made them uh, you know really good in the first place so I, I don't know if it was a mental reset Jay uh, during the COVID break I, I know he said he gained some perspective he realized how much he missed it he realized how much it hurt not to be on the field and have to watch that Steelers game um, but when he's come back he's been different every way demeanor uh, happier it seems like he's having fun He's, you know, not forcing the ball. It's He's not running any more than he was before it. I mean, his numbers going into the last game were nearly identical in terms of times he was carrying the ball. But what he's doing, he's running in a different way. He's scrambling more. Uh, you know, he's using his arm. He's using his legs, get out of the pocket, making plays with his arm. And then if they're not there, he's just taking those eight, nine-yard runs. And, and those are the ones that kind of break the defense's back when you feel like you covered everyone downfield, you, you stick, you, you know, you had guys in the running lanes and yet Jackson scrambles and picks up 15, 16 yards. I mean, those are the frustrating ones. So he's kind of playing more to his strengths and, and just seems to be, you know, back and not playing with so much pressure and so much burden on his shoulders. You may have already answered the question I had about the defense when you talked about them going zero blitz four times in a row against Cleveland. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, we, we saw what they did to Burrow and the Bengals in, in the first matchup, just unloaded and, and brought everything at him. Uh, any chance that with this being kind of a do or die, not necessarily do or die because they can still get in with a loss, but any chance we see a, a more conservative approach in week 17 or is – is Martindale just going to throw the house at, at Brandon Allen and the Bengals again? I, I think he'll pick his shots. I could see it being more conservative a little bit. And, uh, and some of that is because they've been so banged up in the secondary. I don't think they have as much trust in, in the cornerbacks to send all these guys and they'll leave them. You know, obviously they trust Marlon Humphrey, uh, but Marcus Peters hasn't played in a couple weeks. And I'd expect he'll play Sunday, but he's not 100%. Those calf injuries linger. Jimmy Smith has not played in several weeks, and I don't expect to see him Sunday. Um, you know, they, the cornerback has been the one position this year they've just not been able to keep guys on the field. So I think as le that's led them to, to play a little more conservatively. Um, but, you know, it's still their DNA, Jay. They're, they're going to bring it. Martindale's an aggressive guy. I mean, we saw against the Giants last week, early in the game, the first half, they were kind of, you know, playing a little zone, not not blitzing a whole lot. And it was almost like at halftime, it was like enough of this, you know, and like they're blitzing almost every play in the second half, it seemed like for a while. So uh, I, I think they'll mix it up, but they're still going to try to get after, uh, you know, the Bengals. That's just sort of what they do. And and then they, they're fine if they're going to go down, they're going to go down sending the house, you know, that's just yeah. how they've kind of always been. Last one for you, uh, Sam Cook, punter, long time, one of the best punters in the league uh, on the COVID list. 
how intrigued are you to see Justin Tucker punt? <laughs> I'm actually very intrigued. I mean, the guy does impersonations. He sings opera. <laughs> he acts. He's the all-time uh, leader in field goal percentage. L- let's see kind of what else he can do. Uh, but, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. First of all, I, you know, we're still waiting to hear whether, you know, Sam Cook was a positive test. Uh, you know, the early indications were there was kind of an inconclusive test. So what does that mean? I mean, all year I've kind of gone to you with all these procedural questions. <laughs> you know this stuff better than me. So uh, we'll see if he tests positive, if that was confirmed, he's going to be out. I know they're preparing to be without him. Um, I also don't know the time frame. I wouldn't think there's enough time to get a get a punter in, in here uh, in Baltimore to – to be ready for Sunday. So yeah, I guess Justin Tucker is, is their best option. You know, he averaged over 40 yards a punt at Texas, but it was also a rugby style. You know, he was one of the, he had to run to the right and just kind of kick it down the field. I, I don't, I don't think we'll see that Sunday, uh, but it'll be interesting. Um, you know, and what, what else? I, I, you know, Ravens like to go for it. They've been, they're aggressive anyway. So maybe that, that prompts them to be even more aggressive on fourth down. Uh, but I'm interested in seeing the holder situation. I mean, Justin Tucker in his entire career and his rookie years in 2012 has never kicked a field goal in a game with anybody but Sam Cook holding. Um, and Sam Cook, I mean, they the Ravens have long said they view him as the best holder in the league. I mean, he bails them out on occasion. Um, so we'll, we'll see whether that has any effect. You know, they had Mark Andrews, their tight end, holding in training camp just to let somebody else do it. Um, uh, I don't know how comfortable he is. Uh, obviously, I'm sure that's something where teams practice and, and get another another holder working and, and preparing. But it's different doing it in training camp with nobody out there than going into a, a stadium where, you know, you need to win to make the playoffs and having to put down a snap. So uh, it, it's certainly another wrinkle as if this game needed any more. Yeah. It's certainly another wrinkle uh, heading into this game. Yeah, really. I mean, for a Week 17 game, I don't think you can find a more intriguing 10-win versus 4-win game. <laughs> um, I know you're really busy getting ready for the, the game and, and, and stories for the for the postseason. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us today, Jeff. Always, Jay. Enjoy. enjoy. I hope you, you have a happy new year and uh, enjoy the game Sunday. Let's just pause here for a second and hear from a sponsor. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, great to hear from Jeff. Appreciate him joining us as Baltimore tries to make their run in the playoffs. Lamar tries to get his first playoff win. It's kind of been the the cloud hanging over Lamar is is, you know, he he's done everything except have the big games in the playoffs and find a way to win in the postseason. So we'll kind of uh obviously a lot on the line for them right now. It's funny you talked about that 2017 game. You know what I remember the most about that game? What's that? There's a couple of things. But what I mostly remember is walking down the steps in Baltimore to the locker room next to the, the Baltimore writers were coming through at the exact same time. We were all were going down the steps together. I just remember turning to one of my, uh, my buddies on the Baltimore press corps and saying, you know, like Dalton and the Bengals literally never do that ever. <laughs> they never make the play. They never make the play at the end. They never make the, have the big, I mean, it, it, that had been a storyline forever about how they never were making that type of big play. And the, just the amazing nature of that because it was just so unforeseen. And then I remember Eric Winston hobbling around. He was on one leg. They Everybody was hurt. So Eric Winston had to go out there and try to block on one leg. In, in the last game of his career, I don't he may have like he may have resurfaced at some point, but I mean it was close to the end of his career. I mean, and he's out there on one leg blocking on fourth and 12 trell suggs i believe yes it was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming around the edge and holds him off just enough for dalton to drop back and, and th- have the shot to boyd and then of course as it goes then the, then the bills scene surfaces uh those the I, the I will never i mean that's a game that i will absolutely never forget the funny thing about games like that is when they end with in miraculous fashion it, it it's almost like that erases everything that happened before like I, I completely forgot until Jeff mentioned it how bad the Ravens were to start that game I mean punts on six of their first seven possessions and they had a field goal it's just I was I was going over this with a friend the other day that that 2006 uh, game where the Bengals had a chance to go to the playoffs in week 17 and they lost to the Steelers um, in overtime on a long bend pass and it was New Year's Eve, um, so today's the anniversary of that loss. And I, I was talking about that that touchdown pass that won it, and I, I went and found the highlights on YouTube, and it was like there were all these crazy things that happened in that game, and I didn't remember any of them. You, you just remember that that last memorable play that kind of just kind of identifies that game, and it just seems like all the other stuff kind of just fades into the background. And that's the way that 2017 game is for me. I, I do remember that that final drive and the, the play, obviously, but everything before that is just, I don't know, it just blends into the, the, the all the other games that you've covered through the years. Yeah, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff happens and, uh, you know, certainly uh, a fun one there. Um, all right, let's let's get into a little, little run, pass, or boot for the game on Sunday. Okay, I've... I've got one here for you. Run, pass, or boot. All right. What is more likely 
to happen, Jay. Lamar Jackson rushes for 100-plus. Brandon Allen throws for 300-plus. A.J. Green catches the touchdown that he needs. Boot Uh, Brandon Allen. You're booting Brandon Allen. There's no way he's throwing for 300 yards. You don't think so? No. Um, No chance. I'm going to say most likely is AJ because I think this it could be a blowout type of game and where the Bengals get that oh by the way drive at the end and um, you know Brian Callahan talked about how they're not going to force anything. I think if it gets to a situation like that, that yes, if they were in first and goal down by say two or three scores in the final minute, you you better believe all the targets are going to AJ. They're going to try to get him that touchdown. Um, and it could happen organically too. It could happen early in the game. So I, I think that's the that's by far the most likely. I'll run with that one. Um, I'll pass on Lamar getting 100 yards. Um, it, it seems like anybody can get 100 yards on this Bengals defense. We saw that last week where David Johnson hadn't done much all year, and he, he goes nuts against the Bengals. Um, but they've got J.K. Dobbins that's running really well right now. Gus Edwards is running really well right now, and maybe the the Ravens throw a, a wrinkle at the the Bengals and, and don't. Don't run Lamar as much. Uh, they did it in the first game. That was due to injury, but maybe this time it would be for other reasons. So I'll pass on Lamar getting the 100. And like I said, I'm I'm booting Brandon. There's no way he's throwing for 300 yards against this defense. Let me blow your mind a little here, Jay. <laughs> okay. Okay. You might not realize this. I actually saw the stat the other day, and it blew my mind. I had to double-check it. The Ravens' pass defense the last six weeks is Ranked 26th in DVOA. There, if you look at the last six games, they have given up at least 250 in the air every single week, except Jacksonville got 226. Jacksonville, by the way, was their throwing was 22 of 29 for 226. They, I mean, they were he completed 76% of his passes. I don't know. I don't. I don't know who that was. What? Which one of their quarterbacks? Glennon? Is that Glennon? <laughs> Or Luton, I'm not Minshew. sure. Yeah, Minshew. I don't know. We. I don't. I honestly don't even know who was starting. Doesn't matter. Uh, they've got over 250 six in a row, including 355 by Baker with Cleveland. Now, am I saying that the Bengals are gonna that Brandon Allen's gonna go over 300? No, I'm saying that if if you're actually looking at where Baltimore might be susceptible, this would be it. And you look what Brandon Allen did last week. We know a little bit of history of what. Zach Taylor might try to want to do, <laughs> throw it around a little bit, um, try to replicate what they did in Houston. Uh, it might be dangerous, but if especially if they fall behind, uh, I, I'm just saying I, I am certainly not kicking that all the way out. In fact, I'm not booting it. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna run with it. I'm <laughs> running with Brandon Allen throwing 300 plus yards. I am gonna pass on the AJTD. I just don't think they're going to, I don't think they'll force it to him. I mean, the guy's only got two all year. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see them forcing it to him, even though it's possible. Um, And I'm going to, I'm going to boot Lamar rushing for a hundred. I mean, in general, the Bengals have done a better job of playing the run. They did have success in the first game. I do think they will focus on stopping that. So I don't see him going for the hundred. Uh, so there, there, there we have. Maybe we're we're on the uh, opposite ends of the spectrum a little bit. 
A lot. You got one? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> I mean, I've never maybe, been maybe more we should sure have a side bet. Maybe we, we should, should have a little bit of side bet on a over under for uh, Brandon Allen passing yards. Maybe we should put that out there. I was just thinking that because I I, I I've not been more sure of anything all year. That you you look at the first game, Joe Burrow was playing really well and he had four starts and he was really starting to get the feel for the offense and. Baltimore just confused the hell out of him and sacked him and hit him right and left. And now Brandon Allen, four starts. Seems like he's starting to get the grasp of the def- of the of the offense and the scheme and starting to play well. And I just I, I just it, it, Burrow had Jonah Williams. Brandon Allen's going to have Fred Johnson. Burrow had Joe Mixon, a running game. To 4-0 maybe Fred Johnson? The, yes, well. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I just it. I don't know. I, I don't see any way that he gets to three hundred yards. All right, we'll, we'll we'll concoct something on the side for that. Um, all right, you have a run passer boot as well. I, I do. Um, which will be greater on Sunday? Ravens pressures, according to Sport Radar, we'll use them as the official number because they they usually differ a little bit from from Pro Football Focus. Uh, Ravens pressures. Bengals points or Brandon Allen completions. And if you're playing at home and you want to kind of get an idea what those numbers might be in game one, the Ravens pressured Joe Burrow 19 times. That's one of the the highest totals by any team in the league this year. Uh, The Bengals are averaging 20.5 points and Brandon Allen is averaging 21 completions per game. So which do you think will be higher Sunday? I will run with Allen completions. I mean, I'm all I'm all on the Brandon Allen hype train, I guess, for this game. But I'll run with Allen completions. I will pass on Bengals points, and I'll boot pressures. I, I just not because I think the Bengals line is great. I just think that they will be really focused on getting the ball out fast, and I I don't see this game. I mean, again, it comes out to turnover because that's what happened the first game, but I just don't see this becoming some sort of they fall way behind and they're having to chuck it. And if they are getting a lot of those pressures, they'll also be chucking it a lot. So I, you know, I just I think they'll be getting the ball out quick and being a little safer with their their pass game. Uh so I will go ahead and um I'll boot Ravens pressures, which probably to my own demise. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to run with Brandon Allen completions too, just because I don't think he's going to throw for a lot of yards, but you're right. They're going to be getting the ball out as quick as possible. It's going to be a lot of short, short passes. The, the, the Ravens defense is really good. Um, they're not in just tackling, but in, in punching balls out and forcing fumbles. I don't think there's going to be a lot of yak. That's why I don't think Brandon Allen's going to get to 300, but I do think he could, he could have the most completions in this run passer boot. Um, I'll, I'll pass on Ravens pressures. I, I, I still think there's going to be a lot. I'm going to boot Bengals points. Um, I, I think they're going to they're going to struggle to get to their season average. They they may not get to half of their season average on Sunday. Yeah, you might be right on that. Um, all right, Bengals growler bet time. Congratulations, everybody, for scrolling forward to this. Uh, we we we've been having fun with this this season. I have really enjoyed everybody's participation and people really uh, liking the growler bet. Reminder: how you put in your this will be the last one of the year. Reminder: how to put in your submission. Email me p daner at theathletic.com. That's p d e h n e r at theathletic.com. Make sure you have the word growler in your subject header. That's how I search it. Uh, or if you want to send us something on Twitter, just use hashtag 
Bengals Growler Bet all together. Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet, and that will show up in our Bengals Growler Bet column. Uh, and your submission. One submission only, of course. And if you win, a growler of delicious 50 West beer of your choice on us. Uh, our plan is to be rounding up all the winners here very soon. And I might be doing a, a Santa-style drop-off uh, if for those that can't attend any sort of a get-together if we can find a warm day here soon. So looking forward to that. Uh, with everybody that had the few, the people, the few, the proud that have won this year, the the survivors. Uh, so this week, you know, we kind of want to make it attainable. I want, I want to go out on a high note. So you got a shot this week. So you can send your submission here. Here's what it is. And I want to shout out Mitch Minerding on Twitter who sent us this submission, a part of it. We're not going with his incompletely. We kind of put a little alteration in it uh, to make it a little more a little more fun, but it's based on a true story. So we've got AJ Green. It's a it's a farewell. It's a farewell bet. Farewell Bengals growler bet. AJ Green receiving yards plus Bobby Hart penalty yards plus Bobby Hart sack. Allow sack yardage allowed. So we'll we'll judge if a sack is on him. We'll have a we'll have an independent observer in the Bengals press box uh, judge who the sack is on. If it is on Bobby Hart, uh, then we will put that yardage onto the total. That is one number, one final number, a farewell number to to those. So AJ Green receiving yards, Bobby Hart penalty yards, Bobby Hart sack yardage allowed. On Sunday against the Ravens. Reminder, send that to pdaner at theathletic.com with Growler in the header or hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet with your submission. One single number. Jay, what do you got? Man, the pressure's on. I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle of an epic collapse here. You're, 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 <laughs> the, you're the Bengals. Your Growler Bet is like the Bengals. You, you've won five of the last six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last time I, I won to go up nine to five, and we're sitting at ten to ten right now. I went up nine to five on a growler bet that involved Joe Burrow. That's how <laughs> long ago I was in control of this thing. So, yes, ten to ten. I'm uh, my pick for Sunday. I'm going to go seventy five. Okay, seventy five. All right, I had sixty one. As my final number, I I I think I think AJ's going to end up in the forties, and I I predict. I, you know what I would love to see? I would love to see Bobby Hart false start the last game of the season, the last, last the last play. Yes, it ends on a Bobby Hart false start for a runoff of ten seconds at the end and wipes out a AJ Green touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the not only funny. I, I don't want. To, I, I would hate for that to happen to AJ. Yeah. <laughs> Not to but that Bobby. would be that would be appropriate. It would be. It really. It really would be. So, uh, all right. So, send us your final numbers. We have ours locked in to decide our season long growler bet. Although we really, I think, I think there will have to be an over under of Brandon Allen passing yards. Would you be comfortable with an over under of two fifty? Um. Yeah, I, I would still take the under. You would still take the under on two fifty. Yep. How about we put a second growler, almost as a double or nothing type press action here, a second growler between you and I 
on the line based strictly on Brandon Allen throwing for more than 250 yards Sunday against the Ravens. Are you in? Uh, Yes, definitely. I'm in. There it is, folks. You heard it here. We are locked in. Two on the line between me and you now as we racked. I, I, lo- I, I, I didn't expect to be hitching my wagon like this at the end of the year. This isn't where I thought I'd land. Betting on Brandon <laughs> Allen ripping up the Baltimore Ravens defense in their winner t- in their uh, their must win game. But like a lot of things in 2020, here we are. Kudos. I was gonna say kudos to you because I, I was really nervous going first on the on the original growler bet because you could have prices right me. I mean, you I went seventy five. You could have gone seventy four or seventy six, no, whichever it no. is. You went, I you went my 61. Number. Okay. I had my number written down. I try to write it down first and not budge. So I had my number written down. I, I like to play it honest. Uh so sixty one now that will put our number somewhere around the high sixty eight. Sixty eight yep. will be our number to watch. Two big numbers. Two big numbers to watch uh, on Sunday against the Ravens. Oh, yeah, I guess the scoreboard, too, if you're into such things. Speaking <laughs> of predictions for the game, who do you got, Jay? Yeah, earlier in the week, I was I was all in saying, yeah, th- I think this is going to be close. The Bengals are going to cover. Um, the, the more I look at it, the more I think about the, the Ravens needing this so bad. Um, I'm going to go against everything I believe in. I'm going to bet against the trend, the send them home happy thing ends, the Bengals' five straight wins against Ravens in season finales ends, uh, Ravens 24, Bengals 6. Ooh, 24 to 6. You're going with the blowout to end it. Yeah. Uh, I'll say 24-17, uh, Ravens. Uh, I So Bengals cover. So you got that going for you. Bengals do cover, but uh, outside of that, I, I I just think there's just too much, too much on the line for the Ravens. They've got too much going for them right now, um, and we think we saw a little bit of the the reality of the Bengals defense last week um, against Houston. Although they they are better against the run than they are against the pass. So if you're trying to hang on to something there, that's it. But they'll need a turnover or two, similar to the Pittsburgh game, uh, in order to pull this one off. And we'll see if they can get it. Um, so that is uh, what to watch. Hey, these growlers have been so fun. I've really enjoyed doing them all year. This will be our last one. Uh, looking forward to games. Hope people enjoyed how they've sort of evolved. Uh, we'll, of course, be picking them up la- next year and, and making them even better. So we look forward to that. Uh, and again, walkout coming Sunday after the game and then the big season. Always a big jam-packed podcast next Tuesday as we kind of wrap the season, look forward to what's going on, address the changes that are going to be happening and everything else. So looking forward to that. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you on Sunday. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year.